So we're doing a study on winning others to Christ. Winning others. Now, chapter 2, we're going to focus on how to win Jesus, others to Jesus Christ. We're going to focus on facing and fighting your fear. What, how to face and fight fear. I think a lot of problems people have with trying to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, trying to witness to somebody about Jesus Christ, giving, even simple as something simple as giving out a gospel tract to somebody face-to-face, to their face, or just handing it to them at, at, at a restaurant or wherever. You might be a grocery store or wherever. I think the main problem is people's fear. People have a fear of doing that. They don't want to do it. They're afraid to do it. And there's reasons why they don't want to do it. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight in this study. Is it's going to lead us through that to win others in the face and fight fear. I think I got everything turned on. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. That's going to be our main verse for tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is a great verse. You need to have it underlined in your Bible or marked up. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What the Lord's given us is not the spirit of fear. So any kind of fear you have, you need to check that. You need to say, okay, what's this fear coming from? Because the Lord doesn't want me fearful. The Lord wants me to have peace and joy and gladness and rejoicing and happiness. I'm not saying, I did not notice, I didn't say he wants you to be wealthy and rich. And that's what the world does. The world associates joy and happiness with having a lot of money in the bank and having a big house and a big car. That's not how God associates it. In God's eyes, prosperity and success is having joy and happiness and gladness in the Holy Spirit. The reason why I know for a fact that's what it is, because if you've ever been sick and you've gotten really, really deathly sick, once you come out of that sickness, like I have recently, you come out of that sickness, the one thing you thank the Lord for every morning is, I don't thank the Lord for my bank account or my car. I thank the Lord for just another day getting up out of bed. You start appreciating just, Lord, thank you for I got out of bed this morning. And I get to live another day. Because another day is not promised. Another day is not promised. So we, we're seeing there, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of, of a sound mind. So the first thing, the first one on the outline is recognize fear as the chief enemy of winning others to Christ. This is your enemy. The chief, the main enemy you have is the fear that's in you to win others to Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this, uh, your grace and mercy, Lord. I do pray, Lord, you bless this teaching. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will move tonight on us, Lord God, leading God and direct us into all truth, Lord. Thank you for your words, Lord, out of your Bible. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. So we need to recognize that our chiefest enemy is fear. So here's the first point on our outline. Satan is the author of fear. Satan is the author of fear. Fear is a poison which Satan, which Satan infects Christians with. It's a poison. If you have a lot of fear in your life, it's because somewhere along the way, Satan bit you like a snake and he, he, he injected you with that poison of fear. And we need to recognize that. That fear is, is, a, is, is Satan's main, that's his main weapon on a Christian is fear. He can't take your salvation, Amen. He can't take the Holy Spirit from you, amen? What's, what can He take from you? He can take your joy. He can take your peace. He can take your happiness. And most of those three I just mentioned are associated with not having fear. If you don't have fear, you, you, you can go through the day not fearful. It's a different thing. Second part of the outline is fear not. That's God's frequent, frequent word. Fear not. That's God's frequent word. Look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. 
God's frequent words are fear not. And that's, that's true. When he made this outline, that's true. He says the, God's frequent word is fear not. He's right. Fear not is used 62 times in the Bible. The phrase fear not is used 62 times in the Bible. Now look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. We need to recognize that our chiefest enemy is fear. So John is on the Isle of Patmos. He sees this incredible vision of Jesus Christ. And he writes in verse 17, When I saw him, when he saw Jesus Christ, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Hey, when you've got Jesus Christ, you don't have anything to be fearful of. So I'm afraid of dying. Jesus Christ says, I'm alive. I've got the keys of hell and death. You don't have to worry about that anymore. What, the main fear men have is of the other side, of passing away, of death. And Jesus Christ is saying, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The reason why a Christian should never be fearful of death, not, I'm not saying we're looking for death. Nobody in this room is looking to die. Nobody in this room is saying, I can't wait to, to die. But we also, in our faith, know I can't wait to get to heaven. It's the pain, it's the sorrow, it's the, that, that point of getting to that point of going to heaven. But the other side, hey, we got faith to know that Christ is alive. He already tasted death for us. And behold, I am alive forevermore. So, fear not, fear not, fear not, 62 times in your Bible. What does that tell you? God wants you not to be afraid. And he knows that's what most of us are, is afraid in here. We're afraid to do what the Lord's asking us to do. Step out of our comfort zone, invite somebody to church, tell them about Jesus Christ. That's what this whole study's about. Let's move on to the second point. Let's recognize the types of fears. On, on our chart here, let's recognize the types of fear. The first one. And this types of fear we're talking about is a fear of face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation with somebody about Jesus Christ. It's a fear of face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation about Jesus Christ with somebody. And this, this is what these uh, six we're going to look at, these six types of fear, they all relate to, you might have a man who's very courageous in lots of ways. And I've seen men like that, very courageous. He'd, not, he'd run into battle with a gun, people shooting at him. You know, very courageous. But when it comes to, to talking to somebody about Jesus Christ face to face, they won't do it. They just don't. There's something about it. They just, there's men that they, they'll do anything, but don't ask them to speak in public. They'll do anything, don't ask them to pray in public. And hey, I'm the same way. But the Lord wants us to break out of that fear. The Lord wants us to recognize that fear and say, hey, that fear's not from me. That fear's from yourself. That fear's from the devil injecting it into you. Don't be afraid. I want you to step out. Step out of your comfort zone. And here's some of the fear you might have. You have a fear of not knowing how. It's simply a fear like, I don't know how to win somebody to Jesus Christ. I don't know how to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. I don't know how to tell somebody how to be saved. And that's a good point, amen. That's why we're doing this study. In this study, over the, over the weeks we're going to do this, we're going to find out exactly, technically, how to lead somebody, some ways, some things they might say to you that you can answer back to them, and you'll know how to answer them. And I'll give you some questions. So a lot of questions like people will ask you is, uh, I'm going to name two off the top of my head. Uh, 
I don't, I don't believe in God because of evil. All the evil in the world. If there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? You're going to get that. The second one you're going to get is, what about all the people over in Africa? What about all the people over there? How are they going to know about Jesus Christ? Well, in this study, I'll tell you exactly how to answer those questions when somebody asks you that. So the, 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 the question is, you might be afraid saying, well, I don't know how. The obvious answer to that is, learn how. <laughs> amen? I mean, you know, I don't know how. Okay, great. That's why you're here. I know that's not you or you wouldn't be here. Amen? You would say, I'm staying home this Wednesday night because I don't want to learn how to win somebody Jesus Christ. No, you have an interest in this or you wouldn't be up here tonight. The obvious answer, of course, is to learn how. And the ob another obvious answer is you've got to practice it. You're not going to learn to do it until you start doing it. That's why, and you all know what I'm about to say. You all know, understand what I'm about to say. People graduate from a, with a college degree, sometimes a six-year college degree, and don't know squat about what they have on that piece of paper. And you might have a guy that doesn't have a college degree that knows ten times more than that, that kid that came out of college with that degree. But because that kid's got the degree, they're going to give him the job. And the guy that has all the experience, they're not going to give him the job. It all, it all has to do with that piece of paper. And that's where the evil, that's evil in America today. There's not tradesmen. There's not, there's, not a, there's, not a, there's not an emphasis put on experience. And you have these young kids come out of college, and they think they can rule the world because of what some professor told them. They have no experience, no know-how. And what we're going to talk about in this study is it's going to help, hopefully take away the fear is to know when you get in that spot, and I've been in it a hundred times, where you get in that spot, and they're going to, somebody, you're trying to win somebody to Jesus Christ, and I talk to them about the Lord, they're going to give you a question that you don't know an answer to. And I'm telling you, don't be afraid, because what's going to happen is the Lord's going to give you the answer. The Lord's going to work. And a lot of times, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's not as bad as you think it is. So you got to Even professionals on every level has, have to practice. Amen? Dak Prescott, he's hurt his ankle. Now he's hurt his shoulder. He hadn't been practicing. So they're, they're really concerned about him. They're really concerned about him. Well, I thought he was really good. He is. He's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the whole league. Well, I thought he was really good. The point is, he needs to practice. Even him, he needs to practice. And probably his injury came from too much practice. Guys, you just don't worry about being afraid of not knowing how. That'll come with just doing it. The second one on our list is lack, a lack of ability. A lack of ability. A fear of a lack of ability. You'll might, you might say in your heart, there's so many people who can do it better than me. I don't know how to do it. I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm not outgoing. I'm not personable. Uh, I don't know how to talk to people. There's all kinds of ways you try to get out of it. It don't work with God. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. <laughs> Turn to Exodus chapter 3. If you know your Bible, you know, you know exactly what I'm about to read to you. Our dear friend Moses, one of the greatest men, one of, if not the greatest men outside of Jesus and David in the whole Bible, Moses... He tried to get out of it by saying he had a lack of ability. And you can, you'll think that. You'll say, there's so many people who can do better than me. They're, they're, I'm not good at this. I'm not very good at this. Well, the point is, you're not doing it. God's doing it through you. You need to remember that. Don't be afraid of that. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Look at verses 11 and 12. Look at verses 11 and 12. You might have a fear of lack of ability. You don't have the ability. Look at verse 11 of Exodus chapter 3. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And that might be in your heart. Like, who am I to try to witness to somebody Jesus, 
to somebody about Jesus Christ. Who am I to talk to somebody about the Lord? And the Lord answers, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token of thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God upon this very mountain, on this mountain. The point of that story is, as Moses says, Who am I? Why are you sending me? I'm just a nobody. And God says, I will be with you. That's what you need to remember. When you got that fear in your heart, like, well, I don't know if I have the ability. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. You've got to remember God's with you. Amen? You're not doing this on your own. The Lord's, this, this is the Lord's idea. It's not yours. Amen? If it, was, if it was our idea, you know what we would do? We would go up into a, a high mountain here. We'd build a monastery. We'd just build a wall around it, and we wouldn't care. We'd let the world go to hell. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That's what I think. Personally, Kick and haul, you want my opinion? They can all go to hell. They already had their chance. They know where the churches are at. They're not coming to church. You try to witness to them and they, they cuss you out. Let them all go to hell. That's kick and haul. But the Christ in me, the Holy Spirit in me says, no, I love them. Tell them about me. Amen. Amen. And uh, the Lord's not going to let you get away with it. He's not going to let you get away with it. Look at cha chapter 4, verse 1 of Exodus. That's not good enough for Moses. Moses, <laughs> I love old Moses. That's not good enough for Moses. He's like, well, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, uh, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. See, that's your fear. You, try, you start trying to witness somebody about Jesus Christ, and you're like, well, they're not going to believe me. You know, who am I? I don't, I don't know the Bible. How am I going to convince them of this? How am I going to convince? You, you got this idea like you've got to win them over by some kind of wisdom of your own. And that's not how you're going to do it, brothers and sisters. You're not going to win them over by, because you're always going to find somebody smarter than you. You're always going to find somebody who has a better question than you're ever going to answer. You've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken on my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. How do you know you're saved? Who are you to tell me about Jesus Christ? I know who you are. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What's that in your hand? That's amen. It's the Bible. It's the Word. God's going to use what you have in your hand. Now he's going to go on and say, That's a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, and it became a certain Moses fled from it. God turned it back, and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. God's going to use what you have. God's going to use the ability that you have. And guys, I'm telling you, y'all have abilities that I don't have. I, there's people y'all can reach that I can't reach. There's people y'all can talk to that will never listen to me. Y'all have an ability. It might be the way you look. It might be the way you carry yourself. It might be the way you speak. It might be the eye contact you can make with somebody. It might be the, your shyness. Sometimes people are just drawn to people. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you, you, you can't make eye contact. And they can sense that it's really hard for you to talk about Jesus Christ. And they can feel your heart. Guys, there's things I can use, but the point is, is he says, what's that in thy hand? What you're looking at, this Bible is what's going to get you through this. This Word of God. Look at chapter 4, look at verse 10. You think Moses is going to get what? No, that's not enough for Moses. <laughs> Moses has seen miracles. 
And he's still trying to get out of it. Look at verse 10, same chapter, chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, by him slow of speech and of a slow tongue. He said, Lord, I have a stuttering problem. Lord, I can't hardly talk, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf? or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? There you go. Oh, that poor man, he's blind. That poor man, and God says, that's exactly how I wanted him. I wanted him blind. Oh, that poor man, he, he, he was born without arms, and God says, that's exactly how I wanted him. I wanted him without arms. That poor man, he's born, he's not very intelligent. God said, that's exactly how I wanted him. I didn't want his brain to work very well. God makes people. He doesn't just make the pretty people, amen. <laughs> amen. God, God didn't just make Joe Osteen. God made all the people that don't have arms, don't have legs, the blind, the deaf, the crippled, the lame. And we're over here slapping them on the forehead. Be healed, be healed, be healed. And God said, I don't want them healed. I want them just like I made them. He said, why would God do that? Why would God do that? Because God gets the glory. You open up that hymn book, you're going to find Fanny Crosby's name all through that hymn book. That woman was blinder than a bat. Blinder than a bat. And God glorified, was glorified by her. Wrote all those, wrote hundreds of songs, yea, thousands of songs for Jesus Christ. She was blind as a bat. They asked her, it's a shame that you were blind, you were born blind. It's a shame that you didn't have eyesight. And she said, I'm glad I was born blind. Because I, I can give all of this glory to God. You know what her second answer to that was? The first thing I'll see is the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Amen. She's blessed. Her first thing she'll see, she said, the first thing I get to see when I get my eyesight is the face of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you can try to get out of it and say, well, I can't speak well. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to speak to people. God's not going to put up with that. I'm just here to tell you. He didn't put up with it off me. <laughs> he made me get up here and start preaching. Now, therefore, go and I will be with thy mouth. There we go. And teach thee what thou shalt say. God's with you. God's going to tell you what to say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. So Moses still doesn't want it. He still says, Lord, don't send me. I don't want to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. I don't want and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, it's not Aaron the Levite, thy brother. I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put, his, put words in his mouth. And I'll be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. You know what the Lord says? Figure it out, Moses. Can your brother speak? He's pretty well. Okay, you speak to him. He'll speak to Pharaoh. In other words, if the Lord calls you to do something, he's not going to let you get out of it. He said, figure it out. You, you got to see what I just read to you from verses 11 through 15, that's, a pro, that's the personality of God that Christians don't understand. They think that God's some pie-in-the-sky idea. 
He's a philosophy. And he's just there like an ATM that you just go to the bank, you just pull it, he asks for favors, he sends them down. He's just, he's all loving. God, our God, right there you saw that he gets angry, he gets fed up, he tells you, just figure it out. That's, he's, our God's got a personality. Well, how do I figure that out, Pastor? You're going to find that personality all through this scripture right here. Amen. So keep reading it. Lack of ability. God gives you the ability. The only ability you need to have is availability. Amen. Amen. The only ability that you need is availability. That's who God's looking for. That's the best ability is availability. Let's move on to the next one. Fear of inconsistent Christian living. That's on our little chart here. Inconsistent Christian living. That's the fear we have. What's that mean? That means that we have a bad testimony at work, at family, with our friends. What that means is if you go to work and you say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Well, weren't you just talking about drinking last weekend and partying? And didn't you just talk about that girl that you were looking at down the road there? Didn't you just, ah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I hear you just cussing like a sailor over there? Now you're talking to me about Jesus Christ? T Let me tell you something. Nobody is watching you more than a non-Christian. Christians, you're, you're under a microscope by your family, by your co-worker. And as soon as you try to bring up Jesus Christ, I promise you they're going to bring up every bad thing you ever did in your life. And there's a fear of that because you know they know, amen. They know you, especially your family. They've known you. I remember when, I remember when you did this, and I've had them tell me that to my face. I tried to talk to them about the Lord, and I said, well, what do you need? I, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, I remember when you were doing this. And I'll say, yeah, that was when, before I got saved. But I'm saved, and I try not to act that way anymore. You can get by with that one, but what about the one when you do it after you're saved? Huh? There's a fear of that. Amen? That's, that's a... That's a that's an obvious, that's a, that's a concern. Dr. Ruttman says you can bury a man's brains, but you can't bury his character. What that means is, see right now, I'm borrowing this man's brains. I'm using his outline to do this study. That's called borrowing a man's brains. I can't borrow his character. You might be the dumbest guy in here, you can go to the library and you can study and borrow somebody's brains and find out what it means, and that's, praise the Lord for that. But you can't bury a man's character. That's something you've got to guard yourself. So what I'm trying to say to you is guard your character. It's one of the most important... Your testimony is one of the most important things you can do. Is guard your testimony, guard your character. The truth is, brothers and sisters, just forget the past. Forget it. Say, so, well, I, they heard me cussing. That wasn't, that, wasn't the, that wasn't Jesus Christ cussing, that was me, that's the flesh. But you need, you need Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And that's the great thing about Jesus Christ, being a Christian, is I can make mistakes, I can ask the Lord to forgive me, and He's going to forgive me, and I still got a place in heaven. Because now, and you can explain to Him, now I'm not, now I have a relationship with God, He's my Father, and He disciplines me, and I've done stuff, and man, as soon as I've done it, my, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm convicted about it, but I know I still got a place in heaven. But you don't have a place in heaven. Because you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So there's, you just got to forget the past. No one's perfect. Amen? 
No one's perfect. Most people admit that up until they're talking to Christians. Then when they're talking to Christians, they expect Christians to be perfect. And we're not perfect. No one is. Christ was the only perfect one. That's why I encourage everybody, Christians or non-Christians, to read the Bible. Because what you'll find out in the Bible, this Bible's full of men that aren't perfect. Who did I just say is one of the greatest men in the Bible? David, Christ, and Moses. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. And he's the greatest man in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, he was. You should have seen what the other guys did. Bad men, bad, bad, bad. That's why you read your Bible, you'll find that out. Okay, let's move on to the next one. I'm getting, I'm getting long-winded. The fear of, the next one in the points, is the fear of driving others away. You're like, you've got a fear that, hey, if I, if I try to lead them to Christ, I'm going to bungle it up, I'm going to mess it up, and then they're never going to come to church, they're never going to accept Christ, and, they're gonna, and I'm going to really mess it up. Well, let me, get, let me tell you some really good advice about that. You can't drive them any further than hell, and that's already, that's already where they're going. And I'm going to tell you something. You might plant a seed. You think you bungled it up. You think you messed it up. You think, well, I, I stuttered, uh, and they laughed at me, and they made fun of me, and I, I, I tried to do it, and then they just laughed and walked off. Well, there was, a, there was a young man that rode up on a bicycle. I laughed and made fun of him, and he rode off. And to this day, he probably thinks I'm going to hell. And I got saved. There's something in that, that young man planted a seed through the Holy Spirit in my heart. And you're planting a seed, and the Lord will use it. It might not be tomorrow, it might not be next week, it might be 10 years from then, but you're helping plant a seed. So don't be afraid of driving others away. You're not going to do any more of that. And there's also a fear of ridicule. Ooh, John chapter 9. Turn to Gospel of John chapter Ridicule. This is the main one. Most men are, there's nothing men fear worse than ridicule. I don't think women have this much of a problem with this. I see how they dress, so they're not too scared of ridicule. I've been to Walmart. I've seen how the women at Walmart dress. I'm like, well, they're not afraid of ridicule. <laughs> Showing up with their little their, uh, house shoes on. They got their, you know, half their body showing and everything. And they're not fear. They don't have no fear of ridicule. But most men I know are, are afraid of being ridiculed, especially at work. They don't want to be ridiculed. John chapter 9, verse 19. So this, these, these parents, their kid, their son was uh, healed by Jesus Christ. So they asked the parents, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know, not, we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Oh, who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He's of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. They're like, we don't know how this happened. We don't know how he can see now. He's of age. He's, you know, ask him. See, they're, they're, just, they're, they're playing dumb. Why? Verse 22, this is why. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed, had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So they were afraid of ridicule. That's why they were... Playing dumb. And don't let the fear of ridicule keep you from witnessing for Jesus Christ. Because you're going to get ridiculed. You're going to make a fool of yourself. You are going to do it. But is it, I'm telling you something. I've made a fool of myself for alcohol. I made a fool of myself in sports. I made a fool of myself in marriages and for lots of different things. 
But I've never been ashamed of making a fool of myself for Jesus Christ. I never have. And I've been made big fool of myself multiple occasions for Jesus Christ. But I look back on it and I'm like, man, that was good times. That was good times. Look at chapter 12, verse 42. Let's look at another one. John chapter 12, verse 42. Ridicule, fear of ridicule. Don't be afraid of ridicule. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Here's why. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, there was lots of chief rulers that believed on Jesus Christ. Also, many believed on Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? For they loved the, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Guys, when you get that fear of ridicule on you, like, man, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to laugh at me. When I hand out this track, I'm going to be different. Somebody's going to be laughing at me, snickering at me. Just remember it. I'd rather have the praise of God than the praise of man. Amen. Especially in this world, amen. I mean, there's not very many men. I mean, in this church, some men I work with, I really have a lot of respect for them. But outside of that, I run into men all the time out and about just running around. And I'm like, man, I don't, this guy, he's, he acts like, he might as well be wearing a dress or something. You know, there's no respect for anything like that. Fear of failure. That's our next point. Fear of failure. Just simply being afraid that it, you're not going you're not going to win them to Christ. It's going to fail. It's not going to work. And, it not, and, and I'm going to tell you guys, when you get out trying to win somebody to Jesus Christ and get serious about this, start looking at souls and be soul-minded, what you're going to realize is they're not going to come by droves. You're going to have lots and lots of failures. Lots of failures. Lots of failures. You will fail. It's 100% guaranteed. You will fail if you don't try. If you don't try, you're, you're going to fail. Amen? But if you try, you might be amazed how it might work out. One of my favorite commercials back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s was a Jordan, Michael Jordan commercial. It was a Nike commercial. He had a thousand Nike commercials back in the day. But this is the one I specifically remember because it was a failure commercial. And in this commercial, so Michael Jordan, he's shooting shots and he's missing the shots. And he says in this commercial, I missed 9,000 shots in my career. He said, I've lost 300 games. He said, I, 26, 26 times I took the game-winning shot and missed it. 26 times. He said, I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. He succeeds because he's a failure. In other words, when you fail, it makes you want to get up and try it again. Say, I'm not going to be a failure. I'm going to get up and do it again. I'm going to get up and do it again. I'm going to get up and do it again. And I'm going to tell you, once you, once you win somebody to Jesus Christ, you're going to be snake bit. It'll be all over be all over. You're going to want to win everybody to Jesus Christ. Just takes that one win. Just takes hitting that one game-winning shot to where you think you're the star of the team, amen? Just that one game-winning shot. You hit that one shot, you're going to think I'm the best there ever was. That's how it works, man. I've, I've played sports all my life. Okay, let's go, on, let's go on looking at the next point. Point three. We need to hurry up. Re recognize how to overcome fear during youth. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. Overcoming fear during youth. And what he's focusing on here is how, remember when you were young and how you didn't have a fear of anything? 
You remember that? Some of y'all are thinking, that's a long time ago. Some of y'all are thinking, that's not too long ago. But remember when you were, you were young and you didn't have a fear of anything? That's what he's talking about here. And you need to start thinking young, brothers and sisters. Start thinking young. Enjoy life. You know what I know about kids? They enjoy life. They, they're, they're just happy, joyful. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at verse, uh, well, yeah, we're starting verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but, but he was a leper. So this story here, verse 1, is talking about this enemy of Israel. He was a great man. He's honorable. He's an enemy of Israel, but he, ha he had leprosy. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. There he is. There's a little girl. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress. So she's evidently, she's like, she's combing Naaman's wife's hair. You know, she's, she's doing her servant job. She's combing her hair. And she knows her master, Naaman, has leprosy. And she, look what she says in verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, brothers and sisters, that's great faith. Because what she's saying is, y'all came in and conquered us, and y'all carried us away, but man, if he could get back over there to that prophet. She's talking about this woman's enemies, and she's not afraid. That's youth. That's youth. She kept her faith, she lived her faith, she spoke her faith. She wasn't afraid. She had no fear. She should have been afraid to even say anything. And of course, they take her words and they go on and you know Naaman gets healed. Amen. Y'all know the story. Naaman gets healed. Youth, youth, if young people, the youth are fearless, reckless, foolish. They're everything a good soul winner needs to be. They're all these things. Fearless, reckless, foolish. He has it down here as idealism, abounding enthusiasm, positiveness, and frankness, adventure, loyalty. He has it written down there. Idealism. They know what they believe. When you have a little kid and they know what they believe, you're not going to talk them out of it. Abounding enthusiasm. Let's do it. Abounding enthusiasm. They want to do it. They want to get out there. They want to win somebody. They, they're, they're, they're not, they don't want to say, hey, it's time for a nap. They want to get out there and they want to work. Positiveness and frankness. Why is it? Uh, I've got an illustration on that one. I don't know if it's going to make me. One of my kids, man, I had them in Walmart one time, and there was a woman there, and she 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 had this big old nose, and she just she wasn't very pretty. And one of the kids looked at her and then turned to me and said, "Why is she so ugly?" In front of her, in front of everybody, and God, I was like, "God, be quiet," you know. And the kid didn't mean it. The kid's just like, why is she ugly? Why does she have a big nose? It's like, shh, you know, it's embarrassing you. Y'all have had kids, y'all know how frank kids can be. They just speak whatever's on their mind. They're positive, they're frankness. Adventure. They love to, do, they love to have an adventure and they're loyal. I was thinking about uh, having an adventure, uh, Ronnie. Brother Ronnie and I were over there at his house one day. I was visiting him. We're sitting around. We, weren't, we, I don't, we were just talking. He gets to talking about in the back of his property, he's got some stuff he wanted to look at. Now, I'm not going to tell what it was. But before it was done, we had his backhoe digging 
up digging up in the back of his backhoe looking for treasures in the back of his property digging all this stuff the only thing that stopped us was the uh hydraulic hose busted on his backhoe we couldn't do it anymore <laughs> we just busted we stopped and everything and i thought we were like a bunch of kids like sitting around like hey you know there might be treasure back here well let's go see if we can find it and then here we go you remember when life was like that when things were exciting with that, everything was everything was new. Everything was everything was uh, a wonder to you. And what what I hate, and I told my wife this other night. What I hate, I mean, I detest about science is not science fact, but science in general is they've tried to take away the wonder of the world. Oh, we got that figured out. We know what this is. We know what that is. We got this figured out. We got, and they don't. They don't have it. I mean, I actually read an article where this young scientist says we're just just this close to having the last bit figured out about the universe and then there'll be no need for God. <laughs> Y'all can't even figure out how to cure baldness. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't cure the common cold. We almost got everything figured out. That's, the, that's what I'm talking about. They try to take the wonder away from everything. Go back to being a youth. Enjoy life. You know what young people do? They enjoy life. Enjoy life. That'll take the fear away. That's what this point is. All right, point four. Recognize the antidotes for fear. God's best antidote is found in 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to move along and read these to you. If you're not following along, I, that's okay. I'm going to read them to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse uh, 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. This is God's antidote for fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. When you have God's perfect love working in your life, it's going to cast all that fear away. And you know that God loves you, and God loves you perfectly. It's going to cast all that fear you have. That's God's antidote. God's antidote to your fear is to show you love. And there's no fear in love. That's what that verse tells us. So the second point there is depending on God's promises depending on God's promises he says just depend on God's promises what's God's promise well I'll read one of them to you I'm going kind of fast to close this up I know we're running late one uh, Psalms 126 6 he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him that promise is that if you'll go out taking out the you'll take out the precious seed you'll doubtless come again the promise is you will come again and you'll be bearing in the sheaves. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to win somebody to Jesus Christ. Constant and persistent prayer. The way to overcome fear is to pray. Ask God. Ask the Lord for the courage. If you're afraid and you're afraid to hand a track out or witness somebody or, or tell somebody about Jesus Christ, just pray, Lord, Lord, give me the courage. Give me the, give me the opportunity. If you're saying, I, I want to I witness to them, but they're, they're always around somebody. Well, ask the Lord. Lord, make it to where we can have a divine appointment where it's just me and them. We can do one-on-one. -on -one. Because if you do one-on-two-on-three, on two on three, then it turns into a shout match. Sometimes it turns into where they're just showboating. But when you get a person one-on-one, -on -one, they can, they, you really can get to their heart. I did that this week. I, I, I know a guy, a friend of mine. He's not Christian. I was talking to him, and we finally got him. I got him alone. We're talking one-on-one. -on -one. He started asking me all these questions, and I started trying to answer him out of the Bible. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that story sometime. Maybe, Lord willing, maybe I'll get that story in one of these studies. Uh, but he didn't come to Jesus Christ that I know of. 
But I knew after I was done, I knew I had done the right thing. It was a failure, but I knew I had planted a seed. That's all that matters. The fourth thing, the fourth thing to recognize the antidote for fear is study of Bible incidents of soul winning. So what you need to do is study your Bible and notice how people were won in the Bible. Just notice how people were won in the Bible. The fifth point he makes is one success to winning, one success in winning a soul. If you can just have one soul won to Jesus Christ, it'll take away that fear. Once you get, it's like I said, once you take that one shot and you, you make that shot, you're not going to be afraid to make that shot again because you know, hey, I can do it once, I can do it again. Brother Packer, uh, I just mentioned this. He's the one who used to say, if you win somebody to Jesus Christ, you'll get snake bit, meaning you'll want to do it again and again and again. His last point on this is a heart open to the Holy Spirit. A, part, a heart open to the Holy Spirit. What that means is, is that you need to recognize Jesus Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. So know that if you're going to witness to somebody, you're not doing it by yourself. You're doing it with the power of Jesus Christ. So he's there with you. You got the Holy Spirit there with you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you what to say. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's as much what not to say. Because you got the idea, I need to tell them this and I need to tell them that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit holds you back and says, you just feel like, I, 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 did, I just... And sometimes you'll just forget it and you're like, I know I'm supposed to tell you something, but I can't remember it. I believe sometimes that's the Holy Spirit wiping it out of our mind because we're not, we're not supposed to tell them that. So lastly, recognize fear as sin. Honestly, fear in a Christian's heart is really sin. Proverbs 29, 25. I'm going to read these to you and then we'll go, we'll go, we're going home. Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. That's what we're talking about. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. So really, fear, the fear of man is a sin. You shouldn't be afraid of man. They're going to give you bad looks. They're going to give you dirty words. They're going to say all kinds of things to you. But thank God we live in America where they can't physically hurt you without... They're going, they're going, to, get, they're going to get thrown in jail. So, you know, praise the Lord for that. We, got that. we got that promise that they're going to get in trouble if they beat you up. You know, we get, we're still living in a country with free speech, praise the Lord. And we need to take advantage of it. It's going to go away eventually. Not, you're not going to be able to talk about Christ. And finally, I want to point out Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6. So we need to recognize fear is sin. In Hebrews 13, 5, at the end there, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's your promise. God, Jesus Christ is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But then it says in verse 6, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Lord said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake you. And if he, when you know that, he goes on to say, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So brothers and sisters, if you're afraid to, weed, to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, you're afraid to try to hand out tracts, give a tract, just quote that verse and say, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'll get you through it. All right. Next week we'll start on chapter 3, and it's just going to get better and better. And we're going to get into the practical way to actually talk to somebody. 
how to open up a conversation, how to talk to them, how to, how to approach them, what to do. But don't be afraid, guys. I'm telling you, it's worth everything you do to try to win somebody to Jesus Christ.